Say that the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Double protest. <laughs> it's a double protest, folks. That might just be because we are not joined by Jed Brewer nor Lee Younger this week. Jed is on vacation with his wife, touring the southern half of these United States of America. Lee is I don't know what Lee's doing, but Lee's just very tired, so we wish him the best in whatever he's doing. Well, you know, what happened was Matt and I were talking before we started recording and Matt was saying, you know, when you think about it, do we really need these two losers? Was I the one saying that? And I was like, dude, that's like, man, that's a bit cold. Is that how that went down? Yeah. So so ruthless, like, these ruthless podcast politics. Yeah, it's like, you know what, man? Like, where's the love? You know? Sure. Where's the loyalty and all that? What, so, the, what the listening audience doesn't know is we recorded with Lee and Jed, and I just cut them out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, we don't need they, they they're, they're purely optional anyway. <laughs> so it, you know, just filter that right on out. See, see, it's occasionally Glenn will just come in and say, "Well, the talents here." That's right. I think we're ready to go. <laughs> exactly right. So, but I think the thing to all keep in mind is as you listen to Glenn and I bravely soldier on, bringing yeah. you people the wisdom. And the spiritual comfort that uh, Lee is watching football or playing video games or something, and Jed is somewhere in New Orleans just gorging himself yeah. on French pastry, and that is awful. Okay, if you leave here, you go somewhere more miserable than here, because otherwise it's rude. It's a pretty short list of places yeah. to go in Chicago. More miserable than Chicago in January, but maybe in Minneapolis. Minneapolis, maybe Buffalo, Siberia. York, you know, yeah, totally. Yeah. You're, 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 you know, your your Mongolian steppes, if sure, you will. Sure, totally. You know, maybe well, you would think Barrow, Alaska, but right. that's not always true because Glenn and Jed have Barrow, Alaska, yes. in their weather apps to make themselves feel better. Right. And last winter it was a coin toss most days. Yeah. So that was hard to take. That's a little rough. But Jed did not do that. That's right. He did not. He did not go to a place more miserable. He went to a place that all of us in the podcast have a deep affection for. That being the South. That's right. And he just left us here like he didn't care. Yeah, he don't. Uh, uh, he, he doesn't care. Okay, because you could tell who cares because who's here. Exactly. See what I'm saying. Uh, and so probably what a lot of people at home are, are thinking is, well. You know what this means? That's a little bit more of Uncle Glenn. Totally. And that, to them, there's like, you know what, this maybe this is what we've been waiting for. Totally. We're going to find out. There have been, there have been people who have described this show as Uncle Glenn and Friends. <laughs> and today we really, we're really going to see how that goes. Well, you know, there is such a thing. I don't know if you've heard this term before. There is such a thing in media management and so forth called overexposure. That's true. That's like when I went to the Christian bookstore and there was not one but two end caps dedicated to the Duck Dynasty. (laughs) 
And I said... Maybe dealing with a touch of market saturation at that, that point. We have overdone it here, you know. But see, that could be what happens here. It's okay. Just, it's just too much of a good thing. The, you know? the people were crying out for Duck Dynasty. Yeah. By the time we got to end caps, that's how we realized we'd gone too far. Yeah, it's like, hey, you know, I, now I've had enough, and then, then, then what are you going to do? you got to leave them wanting a little more. Sure, you're saying we risk people. The theory of the all Uncle Glenn hour right. was had a whole lot of attraction for people, and maybe right. we risk the, the reality of that not being as strong as it was. Right, so this, you know what we're dealing with here? we got to gamble. Totally. That's, that's what I love about it. We're living on the edge, man. That's right. Some people this week were gambling by going out and buying the the Powerball. Right. We got a big something. Uh, some people gamble in the playoffs. We're gambling on whether or not we can make it through roughly an hour of content without it being cripplingly boring. Woo! I feel good. I feel strong. Sure. Did we declare an emergency? Are we even allowed to declare an emergency on a not Do we have real? a quorum? That's an interesting point. We don't. We can't have a quorum. We're, well, what do you need for a quorum? Is a majority, right? I believe so. We're at fifty percent. We gotta. You know what? I've said this once. I've said it a thousand times. We have to have a, co- a, a copy of our bylaws on hand for just situations like this, where we can thumb through it and get a sure. ruling. We need a ruling. Well, there's so many. There's so many things stuck in subcommittee, though. <laughs> Really it's a it's true. a contentious legislature here. Uh, oh yeah, I just say that world headquarters. Yeah, there's a lot of you know someone stands up, makes a speech. There's a lot of here, here, sure. a, lot, a lot of that. You know, uh, kind of as our for our friends from Britain, a lot of kind of prime minister question time. Yeah, exactly. Same, a lot of yelling. Principle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, my esteemed colleague and the thing, yeah, you know, then the opposition party <laughs> and so on and so forth. So that's there's a lot of that. Happening. A lot of sarcastic titles. Yeah. The yeah. right honorable gentleman from Surrey may not know right. that, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Southern upper underhandenature <laughs> and whatever. You know, they, you know the, the, it's the same thing over here. Sure. We're dealing with a lot of uh, politics, you know, but uh, uh, I, think, I think people are going to say this was our finest hour. I think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to fight Joel Osteen on the landing grounds. I fight Kevin Sorbo on the beaches. Well, and <laughs> if you get any of this World War II humor, you. then you're just you if know. You, what? If you like Churchill jokes mixed in with Christian celebrities, then you are the target audience for this show. That's Congratulations! Right. But here's here's what it, here's what it's going to be. We have several things coming up, though. Okay, I'm going to declare upcoming uh, emergencies. A preview of emergencies to come. That's right. One is we still have the cliffhanger episode on our year of atonement. Yes, our year end offer of atonement to right. all those who have wronged us. So you know, so we're gonna find out what happened on that. Totally. Which is like people are like, dude, wonder what's gonna happen with that. Well, you know what? Tune in. Sure, you gotta you know. know. We, we certainly that's certainly something. We wouldn't deign to discuss without the full roster here. Hey, you know that's uh, you know what I mean. That that's the we got all hands on deck for that. Absolutely. The second big amazing thing this every year. This is our big big deal. The Thaddies. It is the Thaddies. This is our big award show where we decide the biggest and the best and the most amazing in the say that world. Absolutely. And uh, you know it's always. Sort of a, it, it's not a black tie affair, but it's sort of a, 
uh, 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 one of those tuxedo t-shirt kind of sure, things. Sure, sure. It says, I'm formal, but I like to party. That's exactly right. Well, I think the, the big question, I think it's an interesting point, you lead me into that. The big question on the daddies this year, because we've got a delayed daddies. It's just right, right. situations and circumstances came up, there's no doubt. So as the, the chairman of the daddies committee, yeah. are we going to draw the line for things to be nominated at things that happened before December 31st? Right. Or right. are we... Are we in the bonus period? We, we you know, now you something know, really outstanding happens these next couple episodes. That's next. That's going to be the next year's thatties. Okay. okay, I mean, we gonna we we ain't going at this pell mell. You understand? What I'm wow, saying? we ain't going at this helter skelter. Okay, nobody likes that. We're going to do this decently and in order, as okay. if we were raised Presbyterian. <laughs> and we're gonna make. And then, so it's going to be a bit dry, and maybe not that entertaining, but proper and in order. And we got to get everybody lost before we get them found. But yes, it's going to be. occasionally, folks. The things we sit around and gripe about in staff meetings <laughs> bleed, bleed over yeah. into the yeah. So here's the thing: uh, stay tuned. Absolutely, and as a bonus, a preview for the kind of material you can expect in the daddies. I would like to for you for the people to reprise from staff meeting. Your impression of the Presbyterian pastor at the bridge, getting them lost before he gets them found. Oh well, yeah, Just that's the spiraling description of sin. Well, it's it's uh, yeah. What we're describing is uh, that 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 they're perplexed why uh, they have problems preaching about sin versus the way we do it because we say, well, of course. Uh, I'm a sinner, and I know all of you have sinned. Everyone's made their mistakes. We all understand that. So in light of that, let's talk about this situation. As we often joke about at the bridge, no one in this room is confused with their sinner because the state has a detailed record (laughs) that says you are. Yeah. No one could possibly sustain the pretense (laughs) that they've lived a perfectly morally pure life, you know. So I say, you know, given that that's the case— we can just concede that point and move on and, and, and talk about things in that context. We, sure. we're, we're, of course, establishing that as a, as a stipulation, but then we're moving on. But uh, uh, some of our more Calvinistic-oriented brothers want to really make sure they're sure. lost before you get them found. Because I don't—you know, that's the way they're taught and stuff. Totally. So it's, it's a lot of, well, you know, you've sinned, <laughs> you've done wrong— you have transgressed. You have trespassed. <laughs> Your soul has been besmirched. <laughs> You're being weighed down and crushed by the weight of your iniquities, crushed underneath the wrongness of your things. And then God comes and saves you from all that. And my second point is this, and yep. that's how they, you know. And, and they wonder why that doesn't quite have the same relaxing effect. <laughs> it's like, you know what? You know, they know, they know, they know. That's it's cool. okay. You can, they, you can just ask a show of hands. Do you think you're a sinner? If they all raise their hands, boom, you just saved yourself three minutes on this <laughs> thing, you know. But uh, bless the hearts. They've all got, you'll hear, if you're around us often enough and long enough, you'll hear some sort of gripe about every denomination yep. that there is. Yep. Because you know what we're in now. 
we're in the Lutherans won't let go of Christmas phase. Sure, we're in bonus they Christmas. Yeah. They don't. They got Christmas till middle of who knows when. Sure, you got to wait for the Three Kings Day. Yeah. I mean, you, you people just, they drive me up a tree with that. It's yeah. over. If you think Target has too long of a Christmas season, <laughs> right. they ain't got nothing on the Lutherans, right. man. So it's all, you know, they've all got something. We, Which, you know, we, we rib all, all of them. That's how we stay sane, sure. you know. Glenn may have mentioned that distaste for the Christmas vestment colors from the pulpit in a Lutheran church. Yeah. And oh yeah, I tell there them. There may yeah. have been some church ladies <laughs> with the death stare, yes. the likes of which I had never seen before. Yeah, they they're still mad about it. <laughs> I try, I was I hinted like I was going to say something again this year. There they give me one of them better than not. I, wouldn't. I don't like you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not talking behind people's back. No, I, no, I, no, I, no, I get no, up no. there and tell the whole people. You know, you you people. I think the exact phrase I use from the pulpit is, "Y'all won't let go." Of Christmas, y'all are like a dog with a bone, and that they, you know, they they didn't find that very liturgically appropriate. So <laughs> they didn't find that particularly right and uplifting. Yeah, <laughs> no, they did not. Well, you got to do what you can do. You know what doesn't ever stay as welcome? Bridgebox. Wow, comes once a month. You get one yeah, email. You right. click on it. You don't click on it. We don't care as long as you paid. That's right. I can't stress that part enough. <laughs> that's right. But eight dollars a month. missionusacom slash bridgebox get some sermons, Bible studies, devotional writings, lots of songs, lots of really cool stuff. If you're looking for new things, things to kind of kickstart your walk in the new year, ways to support what we're doing up here, that is the number one way. missionusacom slash bridgebox. One of the things you can do is you can print up the Bible studies totally. and stuff. And then just roll around in them. That works. We ain't judging. You no. Know what I'm We're not, we don't judge the people. Jed and I were doing the calculation. At this point, we've kicked up about uh, 36 months worth of those Bible studies for a piece. You can get a good roll going on those. Uh, so you know, how, what I, I don't judge what the people are into. Totally. Whatever, whatever they want to do. doesn't judge. We can't, That's right. we can't stress that part enough. That's right. So we're getting to our first question here. If you have a question for us, say that podcast on gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumble.com. We'll give you this address again at the end. So we're going to do something a little different this week. We didn't want to... Whenever we, we are down a host or two, which may be unprecedented. I don't know that we've ever tried to pull off a show two men down before. So, you know. Well, we again, got the right two guys, you know. I mean, you said it, I didn't. I was thinking it loudly. Right, but. sure. But, so we, we don't always want to do uh, just a totally normal show because we really like the balance that all four of us kind of give when we attack a topic from different angles, you know. Is is that mainly me, Jed and Glenn, going off in some horrible direction and Lee as an actual upstanding member of society redirecting it? Absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But that's deeply important, and we don't want to yes. say that wrong. But <laughs> yeah. we did have three questions kind of in the inbox this week that all kind of lined up on a theme, which I thought that Glenn has some uh, really cool uh, perspective on. And I, we'll get into these questions, but the main theme is if you're around church and, and church stuff enough, eventually you're going to see some cracks in that system and the people in that system are going to kind of disappoint you in some ways. Right. That right. kind of we that happens a lot. It certainly happened to all of us. But the key thing is we talk about a lot on the show. Find that uh, dividing line of that doesn't mean church is bad. That doesn't necessarily mean this church is bad. It doesn't even mean the people are bad. It just means right. they're as Glenn was kind of talk, joking with the the sin things. It just kind of means they're people. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. But if you grew up in a certain way, or if you even especially if you didn't grow up in a certain way, maybe you grew up with no church as I did. And as Glenn did a little bit, and you get there, and you know churches were all nice to each other, and we're all rooting for each other. That can be, that can be really magical for a little while. Then that's got to reset. So it's a big thing to have a mature walk with the Lord, and a, 
a functional relationship with other Christians and the church of what do we do in those moments when we feel like things really went down the wrong way. So we got a few questions on that, but before we get into that, Glenn, maybe if you could just give us a little background on what you have done with churches as part of your work and what you do now, kind of what your relationship as far as kind of evaluating and working with churches. Yeah, essentially the 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 heart of it is that we're recruiting ch- churches to— um, uh, or excuse me, recruiting denominations to send us pastors uh, here in Chicago that want to plant new inner city churches. So these are guys, hopefully, and gals who uh, we can do some coaching with where we can work with them and get them to come in and um, uh, do the ministry and, and start a church and we could help them by uh, helping them meet the right people and get where they need to go. Uh, so my role is to kind of uh, do what a, a, a talent scout would do or like an athletic scout where you kind of uh, see who those people are and, and try and convince the good ones to be involved in what you're doing. And, uh, of course, the denominations want to see more churches in inner-city areas. Uh, they want to see uh, more happen with that. They know that we're able to get people started a lot faster and a lot easier uh, on that. So they're motivated to uh, help me out with that. So uh, we actually have a good, uh, you know, healthy working relationship with uh, most denominations on uh, talking to seminarians. I was talking to seminarians uh, this week, as a matter of fact. Uh, uh, And they'll bring them here sometimes from other parts of the country to kind of see what's happening with urban ministry. Occasionally they'll do a walking tour of a terrible neighborhood on the south side. Yes. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. It's not a zoo. When when Glenn hears what you're planning to do next and says, oh, no, well, I'm going to get my car and leave. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> if I tell you it's dangerous, you better just go ahead and quit it. Yeah. 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 Which also, before we get into the questions, does leave us to the uh, one of my favorite ideas Glenn has had of all time, which is the suburban plunge. Right. So there's an urban right. plunge, which a lot of places do, as you always you'll see them in their natural habitat. And Glenn wants to round up a bunch of guys from the bridge and take them to a white church and just have them walk around with cameras staring at white people being earnest. Yeah, just take pictures of them. Oh, look at know, them. You know, just, yeah, look. look Put mayonnaise on that sandwich. Yeah, look at that. That guy's putting mayonnaise on his turkey sandwich, you know, yeah. and drinking his... Two percent milk or whatever you know, they just you know, get in there and wow. capture that. You know, I got a sweater over a sweater. Can it? Can I? Can I stand next to him and put my arm around him and <laughs> show it to all my friends? That kind of thing. You sure. Know. So not only do we at the bridge, not only do we look for denominations to do church planning, we do uh, evaluate individual churches that we want to either have come as a host team or plug our guys into. So what? What do? You, what are the things? The main things you look at? This church is acceptable for. I would send my guys to this church or I wouldn't. Kind of what's the hierarchy of this is super important, this is less so, this is what it is. The main thing really is is greeting, and mm-hmm. that's greeting at the door. I, you know, you you decide whether or not, you decide how you feel about this church between the front door and your behind hitting the pew. So long before the pastor, the music, any of that, that's when you decide how you feel about it. I mean, they've done s- studies and, and surveys where that's what the, mm. you know, uh, that's w- what other people will tell you, that that's when they make that decision. It's kind of crazy, but, but people do have a, just a way of reading that room, reading that environment, and having a feel for this as a cozy 
warm and loving place where it's not. And so for us, we want it to feel like you're just coming back to long lost uh, relatives or something where mm-hmm. they just love you and, and interested and, and kind of breaking down the little, those barriers. You know, sometimes you can be a little standoffish sometimes and people sense that and they try and stand off a little further from your standoff and whatever. And uh, we want you to do the opposite. We want you to kind of move in a little closer and, and uh, break down those barriers. Absolutely. And that I should point out that that is contingent on when we get there, and by the time we get to a church to check it out, we've done the kind of reading of their statement of faith and made sure it's all absolutely everything's yeah. kind of kosher. So yeah, yeah. when we when Glenn says that greeting is the most important thing, that is most important thing once we've done a actual reading of their doctrine and gotten their own sure. that stuff is important. But so it's an interesting situation to kind of look at. It's to this we can start looking at this specific situation and pull kind of a lot of stuff that happens to all of us out of it. So this question came into our email address. And it says, a good friend in my church community has a serious financial need right now, something dire and beyond her control, and she has very few resources. My husband and I have tried to organize some other friends of hers in the community to give by stating specifically what her needs are, breaking down how much money it will require monthly beyond what she's already able to afford, and then letting them decide what and if they would give. The responses I've gotten have been really disheartening to me, and quite frankly, I'm angry. The couples or individuals with the least income are the ones who have generously offered to help, and the ones with the most lucrative jobs and the least expenses of their own are, quote, not able, unquote, to contribute. I mean, I do consider myself a cynic, but and this dynamic is well documented in Scripture, but it has surprised and disappointed me. Why are the people with the least, with the most money the least generous? How do they not help someone they call a friend with resources they clearly have? And most importantly, what do I do with my anger and resentment about it? I don't want to guilt anyone into giving, of course. I don't want to be a judge. I don't want to be a jerk the next time I see these people. But I have big feelings about this issue. I would appreciate your perspective. So Glenn, why don't you start us off on this? Well, I can totally relate to that, unfortunately. And I'm sorry that that, uh, you've been through it. it, The tough thing about this is there's sort of two different ways of looking at it. Uh, and you have to try and find these two truths and hold them in one brain, okay? Uh, one truth is that this problem that you're looking at is worse than you think it is. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. You are seeing the tip of the iceberg. If you had any idea the the way that suburban churches take in the amount of money that they take in the suburban church and where it goes to, what they do with it, uh, versus the way money comes in and is spent in inner-city churches, for example. Uh, it, it, it is, the disparity is so extreme, you would be burning something down right now yeah. if you knew that. Okay, I don't want you to. Please don't burn anything down. No this statement how, officially sponsored by the Say That Podcast legal team. <laughs> it, it, it may make you feel better, but don't. Uh, the point is that, uh, that the mistake so many people make is to say, I'm going to look at this problem and decide it's bad, but probably not as bad as I think it is. Mm-hmm. And it's always worse every time they look at it. And that that disparity, I think, messes with them more. I think it creates more problems. Better to just recognize this is 
as every bit as horrible as it looks and probably worse. Okay, that's one thought. Here's another thought, is that there's, there are real reasons why that exists that aren't sinister and evil. Mm-hmm. In other words, I can look at uh, any denomination, really, and say, here's Church A from the suburbs, and here's Church B in an inner city area, and I can say Church A in the suburbs is 99.99% white, and this other church is in the inner city, inner city area is 99.9% African American, and that the the amount and they're, maybe they're fairly similar size. The amount of money that comes in in those two communities, of course, is based on the income of the people mm-hmm. in those two communities. And what you find out is there's a huge difference between those two. It's not a little bit different. It's holy cow, you wouldn't believe it different. And um, the idea that all of that money that's taken in by that church in the suburbs never finds its way to this inner city church in the same denomination, mm-hmm. you could look at that and say, well, A, that's just pure evil. Uh, you could look at that and say, well, it's racism because it has its roots in that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. you know, we, we know how uh, poor African-American communities got that way. Yeah. You know, let's not be coy about that. But we'd also have to make the admission that as much as it's any of those things, it's it's the setup, right? Yeah. In other words, so when I talk to seminarians, here's one of the things I always say. If you go to a church or you start a church, you work for a church, where the system is we pass the plate, we take that money, that money that comes in that plate is ours. Well, maybe you have to give a small, small percent to the national office of your denomination or whatever, but you know most of it we're going to say is ours. Okay, if you're in that system, here's what that means: you are in a system that rewards you for ministering to rich people, mm-hmm. and it punishes you for ministering to poor people. That is to say, you are about to benefit from the evil of this system, or you are about to have your behind kicked hard as a result of that system. And I would super, super, super like it if one of you would figure out how to do that differently. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing, Matt. I don't know what to tell them to do different. Sure. I know it's wrong. I know it's evil. I know it's crazy. I know people need to be right now working on that and figuring it out. But if you see what I'm saying, it's one of those, well, this is how we've always done it. And if I, if you go up to the average individual and say, you know how the money you have, why don't you split it in half and find a poor pe- person and just give it that person half? Well, <laughs> yeah. You're going you're gonna to think of a reason why that's not the right thing to do. You it's, know? it's in a way, I think you're making a great point, a very banal systemic evil, mm-hmm. which makes it kind of easy to... Ignore. I think it's a great point. Let's let's take that out of that macro, mm-hmm. which you're absolutely right about. And I think is a good perspective to move on to because the problem, as you're saying, the problem is bigger than you think. Mm. The problem for our email writer here and for our people who are listening who may have encountered some not cool stuff in their church is not that 
necessarily the people in your church are greedy and evil and suck. Right. Because, right. as we point out, this is going on everywhere. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Which, oh, yes. in a weird way, that's a, a drop of good news in a big old pool of bad news. Right. Right. That right. everything, in, with very few exceptions, there are some great churches out there who, who any church out there that does the money thing, even close to right, is because they have a head pastor who is on an absolute crusade about that. Absolutely right. Uh, we yeah. both personally know, and I know of a couple of pastors who have said, who have higher profile guys who have told a church, I will take this job on the... Uh, only on the condition that X amount of money goes to missions, right. and the day it drops below that, I'm, I'm out. And and, it, mo- and most of those guys were missionaries at some point. That's absolutely. why they say that. Yeah, and that's but that's to your point about the kind of things being uh, systemic and kind of going with the flow. It has to be someone with that much pull mm-hmm. going at it that hard yep. to alter this at all. So for our friend here who says, you know. I, I'm looking at this breakdown of these people behaving this way, mm-hmm. and they're still my friends, and I'm still, as you're saying, these are the two truths on a micro level maybe I'm trying to hold in my brain is they are acting this horrible way towards yeah. these people, but they still do other good things and right. do love Jesus. Right. So what what am I supposed, how am I supposed to go, to your point, how am I supposed to go to church on Sunday and interact with these people in a godly way as opposed to just burning everything down. Right. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. We, you, you, you may have gotten your head around, folks. We haven't exactly mastered this well, yet. Well, yeah, because, uh, you know, well, let's look at it. I mean, um, because, yeah, I mean, the, these people, uh, you think they're good people. That's why you're friends with them. If you thought, sure. well, these were greedy people or, you know, people who were like— sure. You know, just trying to do something shady to sure. get money or something like that. These are the kind of people who read a Christmas Carol and think Scrooge is the good guy, <laughs> right? You know, you you wouldn't be friends with somebody like yeah. that. This, you wouldn't worry about their opinion if, if you were. But the the idea that you got somebody that uh, you know and you love and you care, and you're seeing them reacting this way. Um, Look, we what we want to say about that situation is, I think you should pray about it. Mm-hmm. If someone comes to you or me, you know, we, you and I both raise personal support. If someone came to either one of us and said, look, we prayed about 900 ways to Sunday, and we got a clear answer from the Lord, we feel like a real clear leading that, you know, right now we need to do keep doing what we're doing now to support some other people. Mm-hmm. That may change, and we kind of hope it does because we'd like to support you, but uh, you know we just don't feel that leading. I, you know, I wouldn't have sure. any kind of problem. With that. That's not theoretical, by the way, folks, because both of us have had that conversation. Sure. People say, "Hey, you know, you know, I'm, uh, you know, whatever, with kids going to college, or our other friends yeah. are going to Zambia, or we're say a friend of mine recently came to us said came to me. I was I said, you know, we've been worried, but we're saving up to adopt, and we got we we have to." Right put that all in posture that's all it's all cool that's yeah, all yeah yeah you know, there's, there's yeah. nothing to be upset about in that exactly right so if, if people were coming to you and saying stuff where you know they've prayed it through and they you know they can say with a certain amount of confidence hey you know i i, I feel like i uh i i'm making the right decision to not help out here uh but this is a situation where uh <laughs> that they're really asking themselves is 
do I want me to have this money or do I want someone not me to have this money? And uh, there isn't another way to... This is the thing. When when people like us go out to raise money, the, we, we always say, the old ones always say to the new ones, this is going to change how you view every single person in your life. Yeah. Because there are going to be people you thought would never come through for you that just blow you away. Absolutely. And there are people who would never miss the money. Would just not even it wouldn't change their finances one bit. That that won't even consider it, won't pray about it, won't even think about it. You mm -hmm. know, just you know, that sort of thing. Uh there's a lot more greed in the world than we really um uh greed's one of those sins we have a really a red, uh, we, we're we very comfortable with that yep. sin. That's not one of the bad ones. No, it's, you know, it's, it's got a lot of your, uses. It's one of your better sins. Sure. You know, it keeps you motivated it's, to keep it's going. It's got a real yeah. upside as far as sins go. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> and it never totally destroys the global financial system. But uh, the thing is, uh, you, you can't sort of unsee that mm -hmm. in other people. You can't, uh, you can't, uh, whatever. But you use the word, uh, you want to not judge them, is what, what she's saying. And I think that's a good goal here. Mm -hmm. In other words, to say, this is bad. That's not a judgment. That's a statement of truth. That's a discernment. Yeah. That I can discern that this is bad, wrong behavior. And it's in you trying to soften that, you trying to undo that, you trying to look the other way on that, it's the wrong instinct. Evil is evil. Call it evil. Say it's evil. Point your finger at it. That's some evil. Somebody asks you, what's that? You say, that's evil. Boom. Done so. But we don't condemn that person. Mm -hmm. We don't sentence that person, so to speak. We don't judge them, cast a judgment on uh, where we're, 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 we're handing down a sentence of, of judgment on what it is that they're doing because... Uh, the the person who's writing in this question, because me and because you, we've all sinned mm -hmm. in different ways. This, okay, mine might not be greed. I don't have enough money to be greedy with, you know. It's kind of a fail safe. It's, so yeah, I can't judge other people on, you know what I mean? It's sure. like so, so, saying I don't have any problems with vanity. You got to be good looking <laughs> enough to to sure. you know whatever. But that it makes another quick point, if I may, is. Uh, part of what you're asking in this question as well is how you would understand if 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 it was someone who doesn't have money and couldn't afford to help out that they wouldn't you know give money to to help but these are people who do have money and therefore shouldn't they be willing to help out here's the thing about that that's that's odd uh, is we covet the things we already have. Mm -hmm. It's a very weird, very odd truth about life. But uh, if I'm a model and I'm a, and I make a living with my face or whatever, I'm obsessed over my looks. Yeah. You know, it's just I'm I'm worried about that all the time. I have so much invested in that, and it's my whole world or what have you. And so everything has to answer to that, so to speak. Uh, rich people worry over their money all day, every day. You yeah, know? I believe, as you've said to me before, the only people who think about money more than poor people are rich people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, you know. So we, we all have those 
the, that tendency that w it's, it's the precious. You know, you've mm -hmm. got it, and it just creates this weird feedback loop of just wanting it, even though you've already got it. And it just goes, you just go deeper into the madness. So, you know, it, there's, there's a, I can explain to you logically how people mm -hmm. get to that, but it doesn't change the fact that it's wrong. Absolutely. I think there's an interesting point in here about, did you make about, you know, be, it's anger's not even necessarily bad. It's you won't get past anger, but that's right. fine. Say, you know, I don't, not wanting to judge is a good thing. We can right. um, call, we can, in our own mind, you probably don't want to point your finger at someone and say evil because right. that comes off a bit judgy. Even right, you don't absolutely mean right, one. yeah, yeah. But we can acknowledge that this is wrong. Right. But as we've talked about on the show before, the judgment angle on this goes from discernment to judgment. Often we can tell that's happening when we start to assign motive. Right. To someone. Right, yeah. And yeah. what, and Glenn's point out, we both have a fair amount of experience with this, him far more than I, from just years of raising a salary. Greed is not just a thing in and of itself. Greed is rarely just that I'm trying to amass enough wealth to buy anything I want. Greed is often a, the kind of acting greedy is often a byproduct of an insecurity based around money. Right. That right, could be right. trying to cover up for other insecurities. That could be, um, you know, we've all known people who just grew up dirt poor. They're not dirt poor anymore. And when you ask them to let go of money, that's that their mind automatically casts back to being, you know, a kid and not being able to eat. Right. So it's hard right. to judge them. It's hard to be yeah. too angry about someone for having those kind of hangups. That's right. Yeah. But within that, what it frees us up to do on a lot of the stuff is to call out something evil, but not condemn the person. Right. You know, there, and it, as Glenn pointed out, in a lot of ways, that comes into every other kind of sin we might interact in with the church. This kind of becomes a different kind of that. The way we, the Bible is very clear. The way we deal with sinners in the church is we love on them because that's kind of all they've got. So, but it helps. What you've what you've dealt with here is where a thing where somebody's sin has, in this in a kind of a slant way, but a direct way, specifically harmed you. Right, and that's kind of. That's kind of advanced Christianity right there. Mm -hmm. We to not forgive not the the theoretical sin, not the I know this person has sinned, but this person has sinned in a way that messed up my deal in a way I'm really seeing the ramifications of in the real world. So that's uh that's kind of extra strength time to double down on kind of prayer time and scripture and getting your your mind right to deal with these people. The other thing that you, you can help that you can let that do is let it make you a little bit more creative. If, mm -hmm. if you've taken on your friend who's in trouble, if forever you prayed it up and you and your, your, your husband, your husband in this case, you or you and your partner have decided that, you know, we really feel calling to help this person out. So we have a thing at the bridge that Glenn and his wife, Jane developed called the host team. So right. we have a host team every week. They come, they greet, they sit with the guys, they talk to them, they're a huge part of the service, they do a great job. Um, but the other thing they do is they bring the meal. We right. have a meal after our service every week um, for a time for the guys to sit down and kind of chat with pastors. And just in case anyone's coming who is hungry, that we can tell them, we have a, we'll have a meal afterwards, you can stay, and you don't have to choose between being here and eating, which is always good. But the funny thing about that is we have some very wealthy churches, some very... Uh, some mega church campus and stuff who uh, Glenn has talked to, who we've had a lot of interactions with about financial support, who are never in a million years going to financially support this ministry right. by actually giving cash. There right. are people in those churches who give individually. Right. There are people we partner with and Glenn has done training for, but they are, they, he has heard um, from the top to bottom every day. No 
not only no, but hell no. We are never right. giving you money to do what that's you do. That's right. So that's a horrible thing. Yeah, we're, we're talking about we're not willing to discuss the possibility of giving you money we would never, ever know was gone. Well, and yeah. in this case, I believe one of those is, oh, you've already come and done the speaking gig, and we agreed to give you an honorarium, but now that we know it's you, Glenn Fitzgerald, we're not going to do that. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're dealing with. But the host, one of the genius things the host team is those churches, and maybe the individuals of those churches, but a representative of that church, it's a, it's a couple hundred bucks. It's not a huge amount of money, but they financially support what we're yeah, doing. Absolutely. And the funny thing about it, if you can stop, if you can work through the anger of hearing, seeing your friends here as just evil people who don't care about the suffering of their friend and see, okay, these are people who have a very specific hang up that they're are or aren't in the process of working with the Lord through about money, then you can, okay, well, we can't give it this time. Okay. You're a, you're a senior manager at the place you work. Can we get her a job? Do you know someone who's hiring? Do we know, you know, do you know a person down at the thing and we can work with this and other resources that aren't money? And that can be a very powerful thing. That's actually something we do a lot at the bridge is, okay, you're not working. You can't, because we we also partner with places that um, are as broke as we are because we're all, when you're as broke as we are, you have to be trading favors because you don't have actual cash to trade. That's right. So, but it is that finding resources and it, but it all just comes back to that thing you're saying of you have to uh, face down head on how bad this problem is and then kind of move into that trusting the Lord. The Lord's going to work with them. <coughs> so I got to do what I'm being called to do here and That's right. let that kind of feed me that way. That's right. That's a lot of great stuff. We hope that helped on your specific question. Like I said, there's a lot of, a lot of cool stuff in there. So we're going to transition into kind of a more general question, but it goes to the same thing, kind of thinking about church, and this is kind of on the other end of it. This came in anonymously at our Tumblr, Tumblr inbox, and it says, so I'm kind of conflicted. I moved to a fairly small town with the age demographic being mostly older folks. The churches I tend to gravitate towards that I feel are genuine are small and don't have many people my age. I'm in my mid-20s. The churches that people my age do attend seem to be the bigger mega churches, which I'm not really into, but for the sake of community, should I be compromising on this? So, so why don't you, what do we have to say about this, one? Well, there's, uh, it's a similar kind of thing where there's sort of two big ways of looking at this that you want to kind of hold in your head both at the same time. Uh, uh, on, on one level, uh, we have the idea of uh, it's, it's not only okay, it's often a good idea to do sort of a mix and match with your mm-hmm. your church life. That is to say, I may have, let's say I'm a person that's in recovery. I may want to do a Christian recovery group on one day of the week that doesn't meet in my church. It mm-hmm. may not even be affiliated with my church, yeah. just a, its own independent thing. I might volunteer at the jailhouse or at the soup kitchen that also may be obviously external to the church and what have you. And uh, I may not even really be representing the church there, so to speak, uh, but it's part of my life as a Mm -hmm. Christian. Uh, And uh, God needs to call us out to those places to do those things. Uh, I may uh, find a church where I just really love their singing. Preaching is not that great, but they always do uh, a little bit of extra singing in their night service and so I'll go over there and catch the last uh, few bits of that and get to hear some of their singing whatever it is 
There's nothing wrong with that. I, I think, yes, uh, you know, we work with pastors and we know how they are. They want to tell you, find a place, plop down, put your money in the plate, commit. Yep. You know, be, here. be here. Be committed. Yeah. And and I and I see their sign of that too. I, I I do. I and I appreciate that. But um, ultimately, as I say, uh, I may have a number of needs or just a number of different ways I want to serve that just don't have anything to do with the church and what's going on with the church. And I need the freedom and flexibility to do that. And if that involves going to a singles event in a mega church, that's great. Sure. Um, the other side of really any kind of discussion with megachurches is the idea of a megachurch as a church strategy, as opposed to the church itself. Mm -hmm. In other words, an individual megachurch can be good, bad, in between, bad. whatever. They yeah, can be bad, knows? probably bad. It's possible <laughs> they can be bad. Or good, uh, or bad. Well, and this is, this is the thing, is... We don't know how this megachurch is that you're talking about. Obviously, we don't. We have no idea. But here's what we do know: it's a bad setup. It's a bad strategy, mm -hmm. ministry strategy. It's sort of like saying uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a non-sports reference, but it's it's like you're starting with two strikes against you. You're yeah. you're 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 you've got a setup that. Uh, right away, I'm throwing out the idea of having a mentor who knows my name, who interacts with me, that knows my story, that I can call up at night if I have a problem, that kind of thing. Uh, that's a lot to concede. I mean, that's like yeah. a big thing. You say, well, okay, but I found this really cool Bible study that's part of this mega church, and so I would call my Bible study leader. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I would say that your Bible study is really your body life. You yeah. know? And what you do is you go to a concert and a lecture on Sunday. You're, you might be having more church at your Bible study mm -hmm. than you are at the mega church where you're, where you're at. But, but that's fine. There's if, nothing wrong with that. The, the part where that might be a problem is the uh, back to the previous question with financials of if you're a— uh, if the concert slash lecture people are getting all the money and your Bible study leader who's actually doing the churching and the pastoring is a volunteer, that's a little weird. But if it works for you, it works for you. And this is the thing is we, we've uh, – I, I don't – I wouldn't want to speak for this person, uh, but if I could take a wild, wild guess, I, I would guess at it this way. The kind of speakers that you look for in a megachurch – uh, are sort of intentionally. What's the nicest way to say this? They're 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 intentionally a one size fits all kind of thing. Because mm -hmm. you're trying to cover a big demographic, right? It is by definition mass media. We have yeah. to have, yeah. In the same way that um, you know, a big summer, a Michael Bay movie has to have X number of people see it to make any money. Right. A mega church with a building that size and a paying that do that much, they have to have a very large number of people come in the door right. in order for it to be viable. Absolutely right. And so on that basis, it's, well, it's like anything else. It's one size fits all. If I say, mm -hmm. here's a shirt, one size fits all, the, the, the one clear thought that's running through your mind is, this shirt is not going to fit me at all. Nope. <laughs> that's, that's what one size fits all means, is it doesn't fit everyone 
equally bad. Yeah. You know? uh, so um, uh, what that means is you're almost, I don't mean this in a bad way, but you're almost intentionally looking for someone who is very harmless and mm. uh, uh, ordinary, not ordinary, but, uh, you know, not uh, flamboyant. Kind of right down the middle. Everything down the middle. Very, uh, a safe choice in every possible dimension. Uh, you don't want a lot of personality there. <laughs> you don't want a lot of, you know. <laughs> the analogy uh, we've used is it's the Olive Garden. No matter yeah. what city you're yeah. in, you know I can go to Olive Garden. It's going to be fine. Yeah. But nobody's had the best meal of their life at an Olive Garden. It, it's it's fine for what it is. Sure. If it's you, reliable. It does what it's supposed to do. It, I know, I know what it's going to be. Yeah, I know what it's going to be. And uh, there's nothing at all wrong with that. It's not really, really Italian food, if you've ever had an Italian meal. Or Italian? By Italian. Yeah, and, and, a, and an Italian restaurant is not going to be anything like your Italian grandma's cooking at the house. It's the same dynamic of the size. You know, Olive Garden's huge, super popular, everybody's heard of it, but the food is, uh, is lower quality than the smaller operations we're talking about here where it's more individualized as someone who knows your taste, knows what you like, knows how to make it the way that you like it. Absolutely. Well, I think you're right that you lead us into an interesting discussion here where there are some things that some churches do well and some that some church models do well, if we'd use that term, you know. The megachurch is a model. You'll right, hear that phrase, right. megachurch model. So there are some things it does very well, which we talked about before. You know, as far as an evangelical presentation, mm-hmm. um, megachurches do, most megachurches, there are some that are less so, and there are some large churches that are megachurches do that real well. Right. Um, the funny thing about this, I'm wondering, because a small town, there are some uh, churches that aren't mega yet in attendance, but they've used that model. Right. They right. do all that stuff. So it is mega in that sense. Right, right, right. But, right so there are right, things right. that model does well. There are things a smaller denominational model does well. There are things a smaller independent model does well. But I think part of the frustration, well, the conflict, because they use the word conflicted, coming through in this person's uh, question, which we hear a lot, is, as you pointed out, in an ideal world, I have, I have spiritual needs for uh, teaching in the Word and for worship and for fellowship and for a place to serve and for a lot of that kind of stuff. Right. And in an ideal world, uh, my, ch- my church would be kind of the one-stop shop for all that stuff. Right, 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 right. That's... Something very few churches, no matter what the model, can offer. Right, right. Um, right. Now, part of the, I think part of the frustration comes through with, this may come in more with the megachurch thing, but a lot of denominational churches, unfortunately, fall in this trap too. They would tell you they are that. Right. As you're pointing out, and it comes from a, it comes from a place where if you're a pastor who's seen a lot of people, you know, kind of just walk out to the newest, shiniest thing, it makes sense to be a little... Wary a little down on church shopping, but we're right, kind of sure. pro church shopping on this podcast oh, yeah. Yeah. because the idea is rare is the church where you're going to find everything you need, all your mm-hmm. that on a high level. Right. That's so I right. think the question, which I'd love to get you to kind of unpack for us, is what are the kind of trade offs we would make there? So I go to a yeah. church that is real good on the preaching and not so good on the other thing. I go to a church that's real good on the worship, not so good. On, what right. are the kind of choices? I should be looking to make to make sure I get that well-rounded yeah. kind of Christian experience. Great question. Here's what I'm saying. Top of the list, fellowship. Mm-hmm. I just blew your mind. Not what you Boom. were expecting it. Fellowship. It's crazy. You tend to to act, make choices, uh, react to situations, 
uh, respond to temptation and other stimulus like the people around you. Yeah. It's just the, if you surround yourself with strong uh, Christians who are, you know, whatever, they're down, they're solid. I'm not talking about perfect people, you understand, but solid people and people that are a good hang. Yep. There's some people I love. I mean, I just love this dude. I lay down in traffic for this dude. But, man, he's not a good hang. Yeah. I just cannot hang. You know, if you want me to help you, just say the sure. word. I just can't hang with you because, man, you, you just, you know. And he's not a good hang for you. He's not for somebody he's not else. Good, he's not a good hang for me. But and the two of you, it just ain't happening. That's it's right. And, and, uh, and Lord knows I'm not a good hang. So it's all, you know. <laughs> But this is what I'm saying. You got people that are, that are a good hang, and they are strong in the Lord, and they'll be a, a good influence on you. They don't judge you. They don't look down on you. That's going to benefit you in immeasurable ways. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just you can't beat it. Um, uh, I think if you kind of work down the list from there, I think having a uh, mentor uh, is... Uh, a very close second on that and uh that's the thing that we see the least of happening yeah. in these churches is there isn't a person at that church on staff that i can call them up and they pick up that phone and we're talking over coffee in mm-hmm. x amount of hours after that that's you know in the kind of churches that we work with that's an expectation i'm talking about urban yeah. churches and so forth that's the expectation the pastor is the one who drops everything and comes to the hospital or to whatever yeah. wherever the, it's happening that's why we there. pay that dude so he doesn't have to get a day job so he's available right. to pick up my phone call that's exactly right um uh, as you pointed out a lot of these smaller churches are going to be mega and we see a lot of this pastor's real busy he's busy yep. I mean that word busy, and it's it's uh, the if you want to turn me off real quick, keep using that word busy. Yep. I don't. The only why reason why you would say that word is to tell me there's something more important than me that you're doing. Don't be Instagramming pictures from your church planning conference while I got problems that you're not picking yeah. up the phone for. Yeah. Nobody can. Yeah. Look, I you know the, the uh, don't tell don't I tell pastors every single day. Never say the word busy out loud where somebody can ha- hear it. Your f- schedule's full, it's fine, but you're not busy. You know, mm. uh, We have to have someone. Not, that mentor can be you know, a deacon or an elder or Bible study person. If you're a lady, you may prefer to have a female uh, mentor at some point where you can talk about female stuff. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. It's fantastic. It's great stuff. Uh, and, uh, and you also may have mentors that take you from A to B, and then you got to kind of get a, a new mentor when you get, grow a little more, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong there. But, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that we think we need to major on is, uh, well, I, you know, i got to find somebody who you know, has some transcendent ability to preach on another level. I need to find, I need to get maximum amount of Bible into my brain. Mm-hmm. I need to be hearing the most thrilling and soaring praise and worship music. You know, none of that's going to do for you what good human being to human being, loving each other and helping each other out and sharing in one another's lives is going to do for you. I think you're absolutely right. The way I tend to look at this stuff is you you need all of it. 
you need the preaching, you need the praise and worship, you need the the mentoring, you need the fellowship, you need the encouragement, you need to serve, you need to find a way to be of service. You need all those things. So what, what is, and this is very from situation to situation, there's some where we would say that it is much more likely is this way, but what are, what can you most likely hook up outside the church? Oh, so it's a thing yeah. of, you know, fellowship is the most important thing. Yeah. I can deny that. Now, maybe if you live in a big enough city, they do, there's some, you know, you do a Tuesdays on tap thing and you volunteer at the, what, we all go out and get a thing after we volunteer with the kids and right. you can get some other Christian fellowship and you say, you know, on Sunday morning, I just still really like this. There aren't a lot of people my age and it's a small church, but I just dig the vibe and I feel that that's, I got what right. I need there. That's totally cool. The same way you may say, hey, you know, I, I go to the big church on Sunday because there's a lot of people and I like my small group and. It just makes, if I feel like if I'm going to go to the small group, I should go to the large group meeting. That's all cool. And, you know, maybe the preaching isn't bananas, but, you know, I'm I'm reading Oswald Chambers and I've got the sermon podcast. I listen to the Bridge podcast, listen to Christ Community podcast for every week. So I got my preaching covered. Right. And, you know, so that's where we, I would tell you to look at that is one, it's easy to find preaching. Right. The best that's preaching right. that's ever happened has already happened and been written down. Right. Or right. it's by people you've never heard of that are not going to be at your church. Absolutely. So if you can't be at the bridge every week, right. the best way to find your preaching is to find a sermon podcast you like, find something yeah. you read, and that's going to be a lot easier for you anyway. Praise and worship, what, whatever they do at your church on Sunday is probably great. If you can get some praise and worship and get that experience, but you need that throughout your week anyway. And to the point of customization, you can customize your Spotify yeah, or Bridge right. whatever it is. So maybe that's a thing. As far as places to serve, those don't have to be in the church. It's good to serve in the church. That's actually an important part mm-hmm. of being a member of a church. But you can, if you have a uh, prison ministry or children ministry, whatever that you like. Right. Right. The So a lot of this boils down to me on the mentoring thing is probably the, it's the one you, it's mentoring and fellowship by definition, you cannot hook up on your own. Right. So right. whether that's big or small, uh, it sounds like we're, what you're driving towards, Glenn, is whatever hooks those things up, right. start there, and then we'll, yeah. let's start f- piecing other stuff. So that's, yeah. you know, finding a men- mentor and then going to the church they go to, or if that's going to a church where you get your fellowship, what, what can I hook up on my own? What can't I hook up by yeah. my own means? And let's focus on those. Well, yeah, I think part of what I hear you driving towards with all that is uh, looking at this from a standpoint of, you know, A, knowing what I need, okay, mm-hmm. but B, not judging that thing. Yeah. I hear this a lot. Well, I don't want to just go to this church to find a woman. Okay. Here's the thing. Uh, the Bible says finding a wife is a good thing. That's in the Bible. <laughs> That's the Bible. Look, you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say this. It's going to blow your mind. You can want two things at the same time. <laughs> wow. And it's Whoa. all it's all cool, man. Well, the other thing to point out this again, it goes back to the thing we we're saying at the beginning of the bridge. This is all um, contingent on we're we're assuming doctrinal stuff, right? That's absolutely. off the top. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah, the yeah, most yeah. important. Yeah, yeah. But we're assuming that you look yeah. statement of faith. There's nothing creepy in it. Yeah, yeah. As we said a million times in the podcast, if you if you're looking at a church, you see something the statement of faith, you don't know what it means. Yeah. Send us the link. We'll be happy to look at that for you. For sure. So that's the thing. As long as so what they're on is Christianity. Right. Mainstream, you know, Orthodox Christianity. The funny thing within the preaching, within the teaching, with all that stuff is there's not a lot of variance. Yeah. I mean, there's to taste. 
Right. But right. the the I Glenn knows far more than I because he's met and evaluated with more preachers. The number of preachers who are just transcendently amazing are going to give you something that's going to change your life every week is pretty small. Yeah. And if you go to that church every Sunday, um, eventually you adjust to how good they are. Yeah. And it's a weird thing. And the number of people who are just going to go off the microphone and give you nothing you can use. Right. Is actually pretty small as well. You know, right, right, there's right. some stylistic differences. There's some taste differences. There's, you know, this dude's a little kind of on the nerdy uh, exposition tip. And I like a little more uh, loosey goosey or the other mm-hmm. way around or whatever. A funny thing and a, a lot of our friends who are church pastors and work in church denominations would really be angry if I, they heard me say this is um it's it's all just kind of church. Yeah. A lot of that is a lot of this as far as the preaching, the worship, the liturgy, all that stuff, that's just a taste. Right. If you can find a room full of people who love you and you love them and you feel good about the fellowship as you're saying back to the fellowship. Yeah. And that doesn't mean they all have to be your your age. You can hang out with right. your, with friends that aren't that, but if you I we I we have some friends here in Chicago who are college age and they're the youngest ones in their church by twenty years, right. but they just like it because you know you know a Puerto Rican grandmother and we all go to her house and she cooks right. you know we have the hiberitos and it's all it's beautiful right. and then I have my college friends during the week that I hang out with and right. do hook up the fellowship that way yeah so you can even hook up something like teaching or worship or fellowship from a couple of different angles no question I, and that's what I'm hearing in this in in, in the question that's been sent in is that I'm getting that body life, I'm getting that fellowship where I'm at, I've got maybe some older people who can serve as mentors, but I'm going to this megachurch, and it's kind of, you know, lots of hot guys, but, you know, and they ain't great with the actual bringing of the word, whatever. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing no. wrong with that. Now, if you stopped going to, to your small church and gave all your money to this megachurch and started going there only to meet guys and did not pay attention to the Jesus part at all, I suppose, yes, that would be bad. But the number of times that's happened in human history is pretty low. Yeah, we don't we don't have to worry about that. We'll, and it's normally guys doing that, not women. <laughs> exactly right. What we want to do is to say, this. let's get real now. There's you, single, Christian, ready to start dating. You got to go to the place where they are at. Sure. Do not judge yourself for this activity. No. Because this is what you're supposed to do. Go to the place where the people are. If it's in a church, wonderful. Great. That's great. It's, there's nothing. It's like, well, I don't want to just go here just for the women. There's Jesus stuff happening there too. Sure. That's that's bonus. Clap your hands, sing the songs, listening to the sermon. But hey, in between that, if you're already fed and squared away from your church, you you, you just boom. get a little bit of extra gravy on top. Sure, and then plus dating. So you know. well, and we we use the dating analogy a lot, and there's a reason because we get a lot of questions about it, mm-hmm. both in real life and on the podcast. But it actually is the same principle on all this stuff of. You have something to support you. You have a spiritual need. You got to take some active steps towards getting that met. It's That's not, right. and it's actually a great thing in your question. It's actually something we say from a lot of younger people that is not really in the mindset of maybe some folks of a couple of generations ago of, it's not, I show up to church and whatever church shovels at me, I just do what I can with that. It's, I want a relationship with the Lord. I have a sense of the things I need to hook that up and I'm going to get them. Mm-hmm. If I get them here, awesome i only right. have to make one stop right that's right but if i'm if there's a deficiency here 
which again it's not a judgment on the church it's not a judgment on necessarily because mm-hmm. there's just only so much one organization can do for individuals as we pointed right. out you know when you try to be vanilla enough to please everybody you end up everybody has a little deficiency and that, again that's an argument of model you could say right. well we don't want to meet all the needs of 50 percent of the people and none of the needs of the other 50 percent we'll just meet 60 percent of the needs of everybody right that's yeah, right. perfectly reasonable idea right but what's really cool about the kind of people who listen to this podcast a lot of people we interact with this kind of you know teens young professionals college kids is that idea of i know what it needs to be and i'm going i know there are steps i can do to hook that up it's mm-hmm. not that i don't you don't go to the church and wait for the preaching to get better so you can hear good preaching you go to the church do what that is and then uh, there's good preaching in my iPhone, so I can do it mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Or the same way, you don't yeah. go and say, wow, I really hope some younger people start coming to this church I decided to go to two years ago so I can have some fellowship. Go right. find some fellowship. And that's really, it's something we encourage. It's a really cool thing. To uh, we, You've made this point about marriage before. I think it actually uh, ties in church well. Uh, your whole Christian life is be greedy. Yeah. You should want the best of all this stuff. Absolutely right. But inherent in that is a little effort in um, hooking that up. And maybe one last thing I'd love to get you to touch on Let's go ahead and inoculate folks against this idea they may hear about somebody, someone from the front bashing church shopping, bashing young people not being dedicated, kind of that idea of you're just, we're the church, so you have to show up and do what church says. That's actually not true at all, but kind of, if you could preload us an answer to kind of tell ourselves when we hear that kind of thing. Yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm glad you said that because... Uh, it is tough. I mean, uh, too many of us uh, sort of organize our walk around guilt. That I, yeah. I, I try and figure out what should, it's like a radar screen. Sure. I send out the radar and it bounces off of guilt. So I can, whatever thing, I have to avoid sure. guilt things. You know, fly under the guilt. Navigate through the tricky guilt waters <laughs> to avoid the guilt mountain or whatever. Um, here's the thing. Uh the pastors want you to come to their church every single week. They want you to volunteer. They want you to put a giant pile of money in that plate. They want you to be blown away every Sunday on every sermon and tell them that out yep. loud with words and language. That's the best thing I've ever heard. That changed my whole life. I love <laughs> Jesus so much more than before you told me those things. I mean, this is what they want. This is their. This is how they. I I, I know the species and I love them to death. These are the things that they want, and uh, there's nothing wrong with them wanting any or all of those things. Uh, what some of those brothers say to themselves is. I have to earn that. I have to do what it takes so that people will see me in that way. What others in that group would say is, I have to uh, tell people stuff to where they will feel they're supposed to be doing that. Mm -hmm. You say, well, that sounds like guilting them into it. Well, of course, that's exactly what that is. You know, that's and a lot of young people, young uh, pastors, new to it, don't quite know what to do. They're insecure. These are the things they come up with. You got, and they've been told that. You, they'll hear that in seminary. You got to go in there and tell them. You can't just. You have to tell them. You can't pre- sure. look around. You know, if you just shop and listen that this and, and and they'll preach it from the pulpit. They'll say, sure. you know, it's evil. It's wrong. We're the church. Bad. We administer the sacraments. That's it doesn't right. occur to me at all how I define myself as reformed and just said that. <laughs> yeah, the irony is lost on me. Yeah. 
Um, but here's what we here's what we know is that we're seeing more and more uh, the, the 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 biggest and most troublesome uh, trend that we're seeing. Uh, we thought was young people not going to church once they basically had the choice. You know, once mm-hmm. they once they move out of the house with mom and dad, mom and dad aren't making them go. They're not going. But what we discovered when we took a closer look at the, the, the demographics of that group and the reasoning of that group, we found a significant number of, of that age range from 18 to about 25 that that group of people uh, often started off involved, in many mm-hmm. cases very involved, and to the point of being a Bible study leader, doing campus ministry stuff, volunteer stuff, and whatever have you. But those people started rapidly falling away. Now, these are people who are the most committed. Mm-hmm. This is what, again, what all pastors want, is this kind of person is a doer and a self-motivated kind of person. You totally. know. And what we found is those people uh, were saying, I was under-equipped, and I felt like I was out there by myself. Yeah. Okay, well, here's the thing on that. The pastors that we talk to, that we deal with, particularly our suburban brothers and sisters, they don't have a lot of experience doing a lot of one-on-one human being to human being ministry. They spend 30 hours a week putting together the 40-minute talk for Sunday. That doesn't leave a lot of time for anything else. If you don't like that and you're paying that dude's salary in that church, sit down with them this week and have that conversation. Bless your heart. I think it would be good for you both. Uh, but the pastors often don't know what to say. They aren't trained, and that's not their fault either. Uh, they aren't trained very well in that. And it's a symptom of what we're talking about here. In other words, if you want to do prison ministry, let's say, as a volunteer, you can come to me as a pastor and say, I want to do that. But if I don't know anything about prison ministry, I'll, well, I'll be at a loss to help you there. If I know nothing about anything in missions... I'm really, really going to be lost. I mean, I don't even know which end goes up. Uh, and if I'm in a position where I'm not even preparing to help you in the sense of, well, look, I'll reserve a room for you, and you and other prison ministry volunteers can meet here and pray before you go to the thing, and I'll have uh, donuts and coffee in there, and I'll pray with you. Sure. You could do that, and you don't have to know anything. Just you're the donut and prayer man. Boom. It's almost nothing, but but it it's enough. You know, sure. it's enough to get in. You so you could do that, but if you don't even do that, say that person is going to feel so isolated and so alienated, and she's coming back on Sunday. She's saying, "You got to give me the word so I can take it down to this jailhouse because I don't know what to tell these people." If they don't get that, if they don't receive that. Then they're gonna they're gonna <laughs> they're yeah. quitting the whole deal. So uh, the the answer to your question, I think, is the onus needs to stop being put on the person in the pews, uh, particularly because again the numbers demonstrate these these are not people who are leaving because they're displeased with uh, the lack of bells and whistles. Yeah, it's not people who are displeased that that there isn't a, b- a bigger jumbotron up front or something nonsensical like that. 
or the the praise and worship team isn't rocking enough yeah. or something like that. Nobody thinks your praise and worship team rocks, so just skip it. The uh, the whole thing is, do I see the head of this church as the guy who's in my corner? He hooks me up. He he meets my every need and gets me you know charged up and back out there, one way or another. Even mm-hmm. if it's just coffees and donuts, you know, sure. if you see what I'm saying. So that that's where the onus belongs is. You've got the job. You've got the title. Uh, you, 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 I'm doing my part here. I need you to do your part. That's absolutely great. I close this out by saying we, we absolutely on this show, we have a lot. We've seen a lot of church. So we have some very strong thoughts, some very uh, strong concerns about a lot of church. We do agree. We all will always say church is good. You should be in a church. You find a church that feeds you in a good way. And, uh, but no church is perfect. So it's Glenn's point. We can't hold in the same way we can't hold against people in the church not being perfect. It doesn't do us much good to hold to hold against the church that it is not perfect. So what we should do with that energy is kind of plug the holes ourselves. That's right. Now, it's nothing wrong with saying, I feel like there's a whole lot of holes at this church. There may have right. to be other churches, so I'm going to start on that foot. That's cool, right. too. Because yeah. uh, we hear a lot kind of church pastors and talk about they don't we we don't like this consumer mentality people have right. <laughs> whenever i hear someone talk about they don't want if if i went to a car lot and said you know i'm worried that there seems to be a bit of rust and the salesman said you seem to have a bit of a consumer mentality right. well if i'm right. the one showing up and putting money into this system that is there's going to be some consumerism yeah. on that now we can temper that you know you don't get to tell the guy what to preach because you put money in the plate that that can go to a bad way but right. in general i show up i volunteer i put my time and right. put, you have a responsibility to help me grow in my walk right that's all right on absolutely well and that's how, that's our that's how it works where we are heck yeah we, we we wouldn't have gotten as far as we got by going into the neighborhood saying this is it i'm gonna get i'm gonna just preach it if you don't get on board that's on you people I mean, tried <laughs> that wouldn't work you know most people try that don't have the uh, longevity of a career that glenn has had <laughs> yeah exactly or right. longevity of a just longevity that Glenn has had. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. So well, we hope that's a lot of fun stuff. We hope you enjoyed this kind of little experiment of deep diving into a topic. We had fun. So occasionally, you know, we're traveling. We got a couple hosts. And uh, we think this is a, a, a this is a neat way to do that. So if you liked it, if you didn't like it, if there's something you'd like to hear us do, maybe a little deeper exploration on, feel free to let us know. We're, we're, tr- we're trying to have some fun experimenting with the uh, – with the form, we love our three questions. We love that, but occasionally I do something different. If there's something you'd like to hear on that, let us know. You can find us at saythatpodcast.gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We didn't get any Jed this week, so we're going to take you out with the Jed song. This is him leading live at the bridge, a worship song called Always, Always, Always. We're going to with that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, you're right, Matt. We don't need those losers. <laughs> And I look at the threads I've been hanging from And Jesus, how I shudder as they come undone It feels like I'm falling and my hope is gone But you're the one who's held me up all along God, your hand is always on me
threat I've been afraid of That she's just there something that could stop your love Like how I'm good too little or I'm bad too much But she whispered to me none of the above Cause there is no sin or circumstance That can take me Yeah.